0: I'm Mark Oppenheimer, and this is The Syllabus, a podcast about politics on campus. It's co-produced by American Jewish University, where I am the Director of Open Learning, and InsideHigherEd.com, the premier source for news about higher learning, colleges, universities in America. On The Syllabus, we ask deep questions about the political issues dividing and uniting America's college campuses. These are issues like the Middle East, affirmative action, Title IX, and much more. Today, I am so happy to be talking with Adam Lehman. He is the CEO of Hillel International. Now, if you don't know what Hillel is, it is a campus organization that serves Jewish students and students interested in Jewish stuff on hundreds of campuses in 14 countries. I think of it as an American institution, but of course, they're also in Canada and the United Kingdom and Argentina and Ukraine, I learned about by talking to Adam Lehman. I didn't realize they were serving thousands of students in Ukraine. And we talk in this conversation about a lot of issues that are very much in the news. For example, when you think about free speech on campus, who can talk about Israel? Who can criticize it? Who criticizes Palestinians? Who supports these groups? What's the role of administrations in allowing free speech on campus or promoting it? A lot of this stuff is really, really salient in Hillel buildings because they often have their own buildings, which are seen as safe spaces for Jews. they are also supposed to be educational centers where there's a free exchange of ideas. So what are the limits of free speech in these Hillel buildings? Who funds them? Who goes to them? There's so many questions at stake here. And I was so grateful that Adam Lehman joined me to talk about America and Jews and college campuses. And I hope you enjoy the conversation. What's more, I hope you write to me at mark.oppenheimer at aju.edu. And, you know, tell me if uh, if you have any beef with uh, what we talked about or what we avoided talking about. I'd love your suggestions for future episodes. Again, it's mark.oppenheimer at aju.edu. Here's my conversation last week with Adam Lehman. Nobody grows up thinking, I want to be president of Hillel International. I don't think. What was your journey? Can you give us the one minute version of your journey to this point in time?
1: i got one minute. Yeah. Thought when I went through, I went to Dartmouth College, Harvard Law School, thought I was going to become a work in government. I was a Truman scholar, uh, very high-minded around changing the world at that level, became very disillusioned by the time I came out in the early 90s. At that point, who knew? I thought it was really broken at a government level then. Anyway, spent the next 20 years of my career in the private sector versus an M&A lawyer for a few years. Then uh, for eight years growing up at AOL, you know, ultimately running a, a division within the business and for international and lots of other interesting things, then spent the next phase of my career starting companies across various domains. So obviously the next step was coming to Hill, right? What happened, you know, in my personal individual life, I had been very involved Jewishly through Camp Ramah, through Federation, through my synagogue, through our Jewish day school, on and on. Felt very invested in the community, got a you know, somewhat random headhunter call eight years ago to at that point come in as a chief operating officer. And to me, uh, you know, my joke is I would go to bed every night saying, How in the world can I make this transition? I was in the middle of starting a new business in the talent space. And then every morning I wake up and say, How can I not do this? This is amazing. Hillel is, and I still believe this even more so now, really the most impactful organization in the Jewish world in terms of shaping a Jewish future. So first of all, I have to ask, you probably took a major pay cut to do this. Pretty dramatic, yeah. And more than that, gave up you know the dreams of equity and, and the rest, right? The stock options at Hill are not bad. I'm not counting on payoff until you know the next. The stock like, options so,
0: are. It's a nonprofit, right? You're kidding. The yeah, stock are, or, are, or that was your That or was your soul. souls.
1: Yeah, or as Bill Murray said in Caddyshack, you know, on my deathbed, I hope to receive eternal consciousness. So that's the angle there. But no, but psychically, it was to me really a very compelling opportunity to be able to invest myself in the community with an organization I had experience with. By the way, I had a, a really powerful hill story when I was in college. Okay, so by the way caveat, I don't think that Bill Murray's character
0: in Caddyshack got his eternal consciousness, but I I, I take your point. I take he, your we, point.
1: Well, you know, the line was from, you know, the Dalai Lama, you know, instead of in lieu of a tip. So I guess we'd have to see Caddyshack 7 to get the real answer <laughs> So you joined Hillel.
0: I feel like there's something deep in the question of what you mean that it was a distributed model. The model, you succeeded. Did you succeed Eric Fingerhut? Was he your predecessor? Good. Yeah. Correct. So how is it how has it been more centralized? And we're going to get to some very big questions of the reach of Hillel, the funding of Hillel, but quickly, can you tell me how the model has changed in the last decade of what Hillel International is?
1: Yeah, we we have we continue to be an affiliated structure, which means you know we're present on 850 campuses through 204 Hillel affiliates, so these entities that then operate on campus. What we have done in the last decade is to just inject number one more of a movement approach to talent so we are from the hill international level playing a larger role in recruiting training and supporting our talent across the field so everyone's working from the same playbook number two we have done a lot more to raise resource at the hill international level so that that can create a more unified approach in terms of programmatically where we're investing across the movement and number three We've just tried to build a culture where people feel accountable, not only to the Hill on their campus, which is tremendously important. At the end of the day, this is about the student experience on campus, but that they also feel accountable to the broader movement. Okay, so to be clear, you're a, an organization for Jewish students on North American
0: college campuses, akin to, say, the Newman House for Catholics or Lutheran House for Lutherans or whatever, but bigger, I think bigger and more successful than the other religious organizations. You have affiliates, but you also. You are the head of the international body, which serves the affiliates. How much money are we talking about here? How much money? What's the budget of Hillel International? And what's the collective budgets of the affiliates? And and what do they raise and what do you raise?
1: Yeah. So one clarification on your description, which was excellent. We are not just in North America. We're in 14 other countries as well. And the global aspect of the work actually does infuse so much of what we do. For example, we spent a lot of time in the last two years focused on Ukraine which, you know, we've got five hills and 45 staff people and engage thousands of students in Ukraine. Moving on to the financial question, as an enterprise, uh, in total, we raise and invest $200 million in the work. That's in support of what will be this year, 200,000 students who we actively engage through the work. The breakdown is about 100 million. About half of that is raised locally. And about half of that, we are either directly raising or we are bringing to campus through partnerships. So we raise about 60 million in total out of the 200 million, and, and the rest is by partnerships. For example, we have a partnership with the Jewish Agency for Israel, where 80 Israel fellows are deployed locally on campuses, as an example.
0: Are the number of students so that's 200,000 students? That's not every Jewish student on these campuses, but I assume it's a lot of
1: them. Is the number of students you are serving going up or going down? It has gone up very meaningfully during the time I've been at Hillel, we've more than doubled the total number of students engaged. Last year was a record for us at at 170,000. As I was alluding to before, this year, I think we're going to exceed 200,000. That's good news and bad news. We can talk about some of the issues plaguing campus, but Jewish students are flocking to Hillel for support, for community, uh, and for opportunity. And even without the pressures of uh, campus life today, We were seeing growth just by virtue of really trying to take a forward-looking view of what it means to be Jewish in the world, where young Jews could invest themselves. What does it mean to be Jewish from a Hillel point of view? What's Jewish and what's not? For us, what it means to be Jewish is to leverage the treasure trove of Jewish wisdom, Jewish values, Jewish community, and apply that in your life. And so we have done a, a whole lot of work connecting Jewish students with, whether it is in Israel, opportunities to connect to Israel as a part of a Jewish identity or or their own Jewish future, connecting to wisdom. We've actually, it's kind of uh, countercultural in a sense, at a time when Jewish learning has actually, I think, been under duress in traditional venues like Hebrew school. We've actually dramatically grown our footprint when it comes to structured Torah-based Jewish learning. We have something called the Jewish Learning Fellowship, which lets students tap into, again, this treasure trove of of wisdom and knowledge. You know, we also try to help students understand how to apply Jewish values in other areas they care about. We have something called Mitzvot, which is focused on how to engage in civic life. And we've engaged tens of thousands of students every election cycle in terms of not only themselves registering to vote, but getting involved in the process. We're involved in career development. How do you think Jewishly in terms of not only how you pursue opportunities in your life uh, professionally, but what are the values you bring to that? So I, one of the beautiful things about Hillel, it's, it's hard at an execution level because sometimes we are all things to all people. But on the positive side, uh, you know, as our motto says, we're all kinds of Jewish. We really look to be inclusive of anyone. Is that more- your motto? All kinds of Jewish? All kinds of Jewish, yeah. I didn't know that. Is that new? Is that recent? It's new. It's new.
0: Was there a branding process? Did you hire a firm to come up with
1: that? I will admit yes, although the real heavy lifting was with my colleague, Aten Harmelik and some other
0: people internally. Obviously, you're a nonprofit. You're not aligning with particular political parties or candidates.
1: Does Hillel have a politics at all, right wing or left wing? We really don't. And it's fascinating because I think if you look at the students we engage, you look at the professionals who work on our staff, you look at donors, partners, we are all over the map. It's really hard. And in, in this age where so much is polarized, you know, we often feel like we're being stretched.
0: So uh, if students came to you and said, look, we're, you know, we're Jewish and we want to start a chapter of, say, Jewish Voice for Peace and we want to have, have dinner, we want to rent a room at Hillel or use a room, are they treated like any other student group? They're not. But that,
1: you know, now we're getting into like a, a higher right. so order why not function. Why not? Because uh, we do have, some baseline policies and in terms of um, where we stand as an institution. And, and one of those positions is that we are a Zionist organization. Now, I, I should be really clear up front when we talk about Zionism, we're talking about the uh, right of the Jewish people to self determination in their ancestral homeland. But we, we don't, our goal is not to push students in any one direction other than to have opportunities to engage. With Israel as a part of Jewish
0: history, Jewish, Jewish history. I'm just trying to get total clarity on this. Is that universal? Like, if a group of Satmar you know, or Haredi anti Zionists wanted to meet there, would they be banned because their, organiz-
1: their community is anti Zionist? Yeah, but you're into the, again, the graduate level set of questions, even for yeah. someone listening to, to be. But I just want to lay the undergraduate 101 foundation for this, which is on the one side, you can, for any individual, you can come to Hillel, whatever your beliefs are. You know, anti Zionist or otherwise. We do have a set of guidelines that say if you specifically advocate for the destruction, delegitimization, or demonization of Israel, basically, if, if you advocate for the destruction of the state of Israel, then we will not be a platform for you to present or host a program. And I know and we know that that can rub people sometimes the wrong way. If you want to be completely orthodox around every platform should be open to everyone. Okay, we're not that. I guess I guess I'm
0: just asking, does that only come into play or has it only come into play in your experience dealing with with contemporary left-wing anti-Zionists of the Jewish Voice for Peace variety? Or have any students ever, you know, say, had a, you know, a, a far-right politics that is or a more observant politics that's anti-Zionist or a kind of pre-state reform Jewish politics, you know, because of course hmm, the reform hmm. used to be anti-Zionist. Or is it really yeah. a rule that's there to keep out JVP and
1: other kind of pro-BDS groups? It grew out as a policy, predated me actually, uh, but it it grew out of the BDS movement and, you know, an effort to both expose BDS for what it was in terms of seeking the destruction of the state of Israel and creating a, a space where Jewish students could actually escape from, frankly, what was happening across other parts of campus. So that, you know, is the source. Now, again, to the extent we've applied it, Number one, we've applied it locally where local directors have a lot of discretion to try to be thoughtful about maintaining our pluralism and inclusivity. Number two, if we do end up with other edge cases coming from other directions, you know, it's certainly my hope that we would be able to apply it in a consistent way. One of the just on this point that's often lost, I think at Hill we've hosted more Palestinian speakers than any organization on any campus, including Palestinian rights organizations because we do want to create open opportunities for Jewish students and other students to understand Israel, including all the communities within and around Israel. However, again, we wouldn't host a Palestinian speaker coming from an organization that was bent on the destruction of Israel.
0: Hey, friends, The Syllabus is the podcast that you're listening to. It's a production of American Jewish University and Inside Higher Ed. If you want to learn about free classes and other offerings from AJU, go to aju.edu slash open. That's aju.edu slash open. And of course, you should also check out insidehighered.com. You should subscribe to their daily newsletter, which is truly one of my favorite reads every day. I would call it a guilty pleasure, except I don't feel guilty about it. I feel good after I've read it. Insidehighered.com. Do you ever worry that you're buying into a safe space ideology that in other respects can be profoundly anti-Jewish?
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. What if I said to you, Adam, this would all just be better if all of our spaces on campus were radical free speech cases. Can Will you sign on? So I have a friend, I have a friend in a political science department at a state university who says, we literally will sponsor, if you come, we won't give money to any speaker, but if you say we need to rent a room and the room's not taken, we will
1: reserve that room for any speaker. Why won't you sign on to that? Yeah, number one, I don't buy that we're living under these double standards in the most egregious ways, and no one is asking other groups Agreed. to speak, no, right? So, but I, am, but I am, I realize I'm fighting the hypothetical. But, you know, number one, I start with that cynicism, and unfortunately, I've learned it the hard way watching the way other groups are treated in a completely different uh fashion than Hill is when it comes to these issues. And number two, I really it, it comes back to students at the end of the day, we are about supporting students serving students and inspiring students. And it can be hard to be Jewish on campus today. And that's been the case for a while, even if not as acutely as it is in this moment. And so I want to make sure if you're a Jewish student that frankly doesn't want to have every space on campus be one where you're going to be under attack because you feel an affinity to Israel because you do view it as part of your faith, your theology, your history, the home of the largest Jewish community in the world. We want to create that oasis. Your predecessor, Eric Fingerhut,
0: got into a pickle when he was going to meet with J Street, which was perceived by some of your very large donors. And you can tell me if it's still the case that five or six foundations or families
1: give the majority of your budget, as I think was the case back then. Is that still the case? That's not the case. We have some wonderful foundation partners who are giving very generously, and they represent definitely less than 20% of our budget at the Hill International level. And He, He got into a
0: pickle- when he, they, he was going to meet with J street, which is a, you know, whether you want to say center left or medium left, (laughs) you know, pro two state solution, Jewish organization, people define it differently. I would not say far left, but somewhere in the left spectrum. And my understanding at the time was they called, they had a conference call and I did a lot of reporting on this. And I believe this to be true. They had a conference call and said, you, we're going to yank a lot of money if you don't cancel that meeting. And he canceled that meeting. First of all, As far as
1: you understand it, am I right about that? I'm going to claim lack of knowledge because it's true. It was before I got there and I did not do the further excavation. And second, could
0: such a thing happen to you? First of all, would you meet with J Street or was he was going to speak to their national convention? Is that something you could do?
1: Yes, I believe I could. I will say that I think it's very important within our community right now that we do try to be open to different perspectives and hear different perspectives. I will additionally say that notwithstanding what I think are some positive intentions at the J Street national level in terms of trying to carve out a space for progressive Jews who do believe in the right of the state of Israel to exist, albeit within the context of a two-state solution, that as that filters down to campus, unfortunately, there are J Street U chapters that are siding with Students for Justice in Palestine and Jewish Voices for Peace in ways that are showing up as anti-Zionist. And so even were I to engage in a conversation, for example, at a J Street national level, I I would want to call out what I would see as concerning in terms of, again, some of the way that overall mission for J Street sometimes can filter down. But I guess the bigger question is about donors.
0: Do you worry about when you think about, am I going to talk to this group or that group is one of your concerns? Am I going to lose funding from the Adelsons or Jim Joseph or the Schustermans? I don't even know if these groups are particular funders right now, but.
1: Yeah, I mean, short answer is I, of course, factor in our foundation partners and other donors as part of the stakeholder group that allows us to operate and exist as an organization. However, I work very hard to try to ensure we have alignment, meaning Hillel, with our supporters and stakeholders, that this is ultimately about students. And the question is going to be for me, in terms of any partnerships, in terms of any activities. As they play it on campus, how is it serving students or not serving students? And you know, candidly, if there was such a difference of view between Hill and a funder or partner in terms of that answer, then that probably means we should be going separate directions. Yeah,
0: I guess it's I'm circling back, maybe I'm repeating myself here. You're not about all kinds of free speech. You're about there's a circumscription or a sort of set of things that you think serve Jewish students. My perception is they tend to exclude more to the le- to your left than to your right, that there aren't conservative, say, far, far right or ultra Zionist organizations that have to worry about not being granted a chapter or a space at Hillel. Am I wrong about that?
1: I think you are wrong. Yeah, I actually think you are. I think if you are coming from, you know, call it a religious Zionist space, for example, as it exists politically in Israel, you're not even trying to show up. At a Hillel because that's not your crowd, and that's not your audience, and you're probably not going to be received. And frankly, you don't have infrastructure and presence on American campuses. The reason I think we see the conflict emerge coming from the left is because you have an enormous progressive infrastructure, including a very organized anti-Zionist infrastructure that, frankly, seeks out Hillel as a place to uh, elevate itself, the anti-Zionist movement, and drive division within the Jewish community. And you know, frankly. Part of the reason I think it's important we continue to maintain an approach consistent with where we are today is so we don't just become the punching bag and a political object in this battle. I'll go back, if you humor me on this, to the fact our mission is so much wider than political issues as it relates to the state of Israel. Most of what we do at Hillel, we're serving Shabbat dinner. We do a ton of mental health work right now. There's an epidemic in terms of where young people are, Jewish and otherwise. We do a lot of interfaith work. We do a lot of tzedek to alum. How do we actually engage students in service here and around the world? So that's the heart of our work. And for sure, as it relates to Israel, we do deal with these political issues, but I work really hard to make sure that doesn't swallow
0: the I got you. work. Yeah. It's a podcast about politics on campus. So that's why yeah. we are where right. we are. When we yeah. do the politics about cuisine on campus, we'll be talking about the food that you guys serve for sure. And I well know all the things that Hillel does. Last question in our waning minute or two, oh, no. given birth rates and rates of intermarriage in the American and we should say Western Jewish communities outside of Israel, there are going to be shrinking numbers of non-Haredi Jews. And it's safe to say that ultra-Orthodox or Haredi Jews are not your constituency by and large. So does that mean the jig is up? I mean, in 20 or 30 years, are you going to have enough Jews? You certainly aren't going to be on as many campuses, right? You, are you planning for the end or at least
1: the the shrinkage? I'm playing offense, Mark. Uh, I'm looking for two billion Jews. I mean, if we really wanna have influence in the world, we gotta get into the acquisition game. Kidding aside, I really am playing offense and we are at Hillel. Uh, We actually see the opportunity to bring the power of Jewish life to so many young people. Uh, But a quarter to a third of the people who walk in our doors are not coming from Jewish backgrounds and they're participating in programs and they're getting excited about what it means to relate to the Jewish community. We serve so many students coming from intermarried, interfaith homes and backgrounds, and our upside and our opportunity is actually to not only keep them excited, because we're not just in the how do we hold on to Jews game, we're into the how does Jewish add value to someone's life journey, and- Even uh, if they're Gentile. I I suppose even if they're Gentile. Final question. Two billion. Final Uh,
0: question. Yeah. Tongue planted somewhat in cheek. When I start my organization about going out to convert Gentiles to Judaism, to do to them what the, the Baptists are doing to us, yeah, can it be a partner organization of Hillel? Can they get space?
1: Oh, fascinating. And tongue-in-cheek, but I'm still going to take it at a serious level. They can have a conversation. I'd love to talk about it. <laughs> All right. Because it's fascinating. And I just, at a Hillel event, I won't name where because I don't want to add anyone. I did talk to someone from a, a Messianic Jewish group that had questions about how the chitter but should be. But my play. Messianic Jewish group is for Jews, not it's well, not no, for Christian right. Jews, it's it Jewish be, Jews. should be much so, easier. It does tie into my two billion metric and goals. Yeah, so. you're the
0: one who wanted to play offense, man.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. We're going to figure out how would, have me back sometime because there's so much more to talk about. Probably not cuisine because <laughs> our food is not our, will. our strongest point.
0: Adam Lehman, thank you so much for being on the
1: syllabus. Thank you, Mark. Really appreciate it.
0: This has been The Syllabus, a production of AJU and Inside Higher Ed. Would you please subscribe to it and give us a rating if you feel so inclined? It's a great way to help make sure that the podcast finds the people who will enjoy it. The editorial decisions are by me, Mark Oppenheimer, and the team that I work with. I'm at mark.oppenheimer at aju.edu, and we would love your suggestions or comments. Our team also includes editor Jacob Kaufman, producer Alyssa Silva, and Sherry Hirely, Tessa Grasso, and Amelia Hamill. At Inside Higher Ed, big thanks to Doug Letterman. Join us next time on The Syllabus.